Before we get into another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast, we want to say thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate your prayers, support, and encouragement. We also want to send a special thanks to our monthly financial partners. We could not do what we do without you. We have been able to equip college students at historically black colleges and universities and facilitate seminars for pastors and leaders because of your financial support. If the Jude 3 Project has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a monthly partner. No gift is too small or large, whether you give one time or monthly. We appreciate it. You can give online at jude3project.com by hitting the donate button or by mail by sending your gift to Jude 3 Project at P.O. Box 26206, Jacksonville, Florida, 32226. Thanks again. Now let's join the Jude 3 Project podcast. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Jude 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jude 3 Project. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today I'm joined by another special guest, Pastor Olu Brown. Welcome, Pastor Brown. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. <laughs> and did I pronounce your first name right? You said what? You went out a little bit there. Okay. Yes. Olu is correct. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Um, for those who don't know who you are, can you just give them a little bit of background? So my full name is Olu Jimmy Brown. I was born and raised in uh, Texas and had a wonderful opportunity to go to school there in Texas uh, for high school and also undergrad at Jarvis Christian College and then came to Atlanta, Georgia to attend seminary at the INTC while there worked at a local church called Cascade United Methodist Church and had a wonderful time as a youth pastor and associate pastor. And around that time, I really sensed God was calling me to plant a new church here in the Atlanta area. And so 10 years ago, a group of 25 of us started Impact Church in 2007. And since then, we've been moving right along and just celebrated our 10th anniversary as a local church. And we believe as our tagline, doing church differently. So that has been some of my journey as it relates to professionally. Uh, two wonderful children, uh, Daya and Langston and my uh, wife, Farah. And so uh, we're all a part of this Metro Atlanta journey. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I heard about you um, when we were at Clark Atlanta for our um, HBCU stop there. And they were telling me that uh, there was an excitement around your church as it relates to the students at Clark Atlanta. And a lot of them attended your church. So it's good to get to meet you. Uh, I heard heard great things about the work you're doing in the Atlanta area. And it's it's um, some, something that kind of we want to talk about today, how to engage along with your new book, but also how to engage um, young professionals, young adults and millennials, because that seems to be a population of a group of people that the church isn't engaging well and losing. Um, how are you able to, to um, engage, engage my, my generation? 
Yeah, great question. One of the ways is because of the way I'm wired. To be honest with you, if I weren't a pastor or a clergy person, it would probably be pretty difficult for me to go to church. I would be one of those that you would have to encourage over and over again. So the work that I do day to day, foundational point to say, what encourages me? to be connected to a local church and what things interest me. And so when I think about that as a foundational moment, then I also consider other people who may have that same thought process and not to say all young adults or millennials feel that way, but it does create a different approach in the way I do ministry and think about ministry. And I don't think first about people who are already in the circle, if you will, but I think about those people who aren't necessarily convinced uh, that the local church is the best answer, that Jesus Christ is the best answer. And so when I start from that starting point, it the way we think about marketing. It changes the way we think about a general announcement. It changes the way we do social media. It changes the way of our website layout. Everything has to shift <clears throat> when we think about those who aren't necessarily uh, 100% convinced first. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. Um, how have you what is some of the responses you've got from um, the the young adults and college students that do attend your church? Because a large, as you said, when you were talking about how you're wired, uh, a lot of young <laughs> adults and uh, Gen Zers feel that way because they feel like church is a waste of time. If there's no real engagement on they feel like real issues or if it's not transparent enough, um, what kind of is the feedback you're getting um, from from the young people that attend um, Impact? The feedback we're getting is uh, positive. Of course, I'm sure even our church isn't necessarily the platform for all people, including younger adults. So uh, depending on their background or um, where they come from geographically, spiritually, and academically, sometimes young people come here and say, wow, this is a little bit too contemporary for me, or <clears throat> it's too transparent for me. But overall, the, I think the feedback we get in general is pretty positive. But engaged young people is we have a transportation uh, pickup that goes specifically to the AU Center. Now, our church is 10 years old, and in the first few years, close to the AU Center in proximity, we intentionally did not pick up students uh, because we saw a lot of churches doing that. To the uh, campus university pastors, look, we want to invest in you and not take students away from you. And so that was our process for the first few years. And we started seeing even uh, more and more young people come to impact. And it wasn't because we were picking them up. And so we realized, OK, maybe there's an opportunity here where we can still support the local uh campuses there in the Atlanta University Center and Georgia State and around, but we can also offer a service to pick up students who want to come and uh, worship with us. And then the next part of that is at least once a month, we offer uh, a free meal. And it's not, you know, a meal where it's just a couple of sandwiches put together in Ziplocs, but it is from major food chains that have great and excellent food and so we value and appreciate the students by um, connecting with them on a much deeper level than only picking them up for worship. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. When we think about uh, HBCUs and that um, that kind of with the uh, the center with uh, Morehouse, Spelman, Clark Atlanta, um, one of the things that we're doing on the HBCU 
HBCU tour is talking about Christianity being the white man's religion uh, because we're seeing groups like Hebrew Israelites, Kemetic Science, um, kind of saying that, you know, Christianity is a lie. You shouldn't go to church. You should kind of jettison those beliefs. Have you been seeing a lot of that um, people kind of jettison Christianity because they think it's the white man's religion um, in that area? Oh, one, and it's not so recent anymore, uh, research from the Pew industry said the fastest growing religion in America right now are the nuns, N-O-N-E, uh, which are typically younger adults who wouldn't consider themselves religious, but yet spiritual. So whenever I see that or hear, you know, others saying, hey, you know, why do I need this? Because this is someone else's religion. I see that as an opportunity to really uh, say this is the greatest time, in particular for the Christian church, to show forth the love and the grace of Christ. But uh, historically, when people would say that, it shows a lack of understanding of um, the uh, history of Christianity. That Christianity predated um, Europe and Africa. So Chris, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and uh, the Coptic Church, each of those Christian movements and faith communities predated Christianity uh, in Europe. And so typically when people say that they're beginning Christianity from slavery to now, but uh, Christianity goes well uh, beyond colonialism and uh, slavery that still impacts us to this very day. Mm -hmm. Have you had a lot of those conversations with some of the, the young adults at your church? We haven't had those directly and we're not opposed to having those, but uh, the comment that you made about it helps me to know as we start back this next semester, uh, perhaps creating this space in this place where we can have these deeper conversations. And I think a church like ours is designed and wired to be very open and have these uh, kind of conversations. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I think those are helpful. It's, it's so many. It depends on where you're at, because sometimes I'll talk to people, I'll talk to pastors and they'll be like, well, that's not an issue in our area. So we don't really have that conversation. And then I'll talk to some pastors and I'm like, that's the day to day conversation. So it really depends. I like to ask people that question because it really depends on where you are in the nation, depending on what question is most pressing in in, um, in the area you serve. Um, let's talk about your, your new book. Um, Yes. Tell us what your new book is about and um, why you believe it's important. So you can go to olubrown.com, O-L-U-B-R-O-W-N.com, and you can get more detailed information about the book. But the name of it is Leadership Directions from Moses uh, on the Way to the Promised Land. I found as a leader perspective from a leader in a church, but leaders in the academic world, leaders in the business world, leaders in the entertainment world, they all face the same difficulty. And that's around what we call difficult conversations. And when I look at the life of Moses and how he was called by God to lead God's people from one place to another place, having these difficult conversations, um, if you look closely at the text and what the book is based on is there were two tribes out of the 12 that literally told Moses, Hey, we want to stay where we are. And that area was geographically called the Transjordan. No, you've been promise, promising us for years that there's this place of milk and honey, but where we are right now is pretty cool. And we want to stay here. And so Moses has a difficult decision to make. Does he tell these two tribes stay where you are? Uh, and he takes the 10 
on to the promise or does he make the two come with the other 10? And so um, Moses ultimately tells the two, you can stay here, but you have to go help us fight for the promise and then you can return. And so as leaders, we face these challenges every single day. And I tried just to highlight a biblical story of what that looks like. And another big part of the book, which I face in my own leadership journey, is what happens when you're on the road with a group of people and everyone signed up to go to the same place. Into that journey or a couple of months into that journey, somebody decides they don't want to go there anymore. And so do I appreciate and value someone else's choice and someone else's promise instead of demonizing them? for making their own choice and walking in their own truth. Mm-hmm. I think that's helpful. I was reading through your book and um, I really in- enjoyed the uh, chapter on um, difficult conversations uh, because that's one of the, like you said, I think you said you kind of dread that aspect and I do too, um, even <laughs> though we have <laughs> this thing called courageous conversations where we put people in the opposing view. So I like to, I like the outcome of it, but sometimes I like I don't like initiating it. And I loved how you told the story of uh, Moses's father-in-law who said, you know, you you have to get other people to help you. But there are some conversations you have to have. And so um, tell us a little bit about that chapter. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, those three conversations are really it's the conversation that you have with yourself. It's a conversation that you have with other people. And it's also most importantly, the conversation you have with God. And in particular, when you think about uh, some generations of people different and what they dare to ask God is different. I, I say often in um, our faith community, some of us trust Google more than we trust God. And so the algorithm that Google has to uh, allow you to input, you know, what is the driving distance from Atlanta? to Tallahassee, we trust that more than we trust God because we don't ask God the deep questions. We don't look towards heaven and shout we're angry or curse and get mad. And God is saying, I can handle those kind of things. And so we um, really see in these kind of crazy circles because we're really afraid to have this conversation with ourselves, a conversation with other people, and most importantly, the conversation with God. Yes, I think that's that's so so important to have those difficult conversations, especially in a day where kind of culture teaches us to avoid those conversations. And it's easy to avoid those with social media. Uh, You can subtweet people or sub posts and not directly engage them. But the Bible constantly challenges us to go to your brother, go to your sister and have those conversations with people. So it can be very challenging in today's culture. It can be. It can be. But it is possible. Mm-hmm. What what other chapters do you think are what, did you most enjoy writing in your book? The one of the closing chapters really towards the end of the book is uh, goodbye and how goodbye can be. Uh, goodbye can also uh, be a blessing. And I think about the years of growing up and all the experiences that I had with saying goodbye. And those were oftentimes painful. But as I matured, I realized that for every goodbye, new space and an opportunity for me to receive a new person into my life and oftentimes a new emotion in my life. And so as leaders, we think that whoever we started with, we have to finish with that 
uh, individual or that same number in the group. And we may feel as if we're a failure if we don't. But the truth of the matter of it is uh, true leadership means that you're going to be saying goodbye quite often. And even, you know, in our church that we started 10 years ago, it is not easy uh, for families to come and say, hey, Olu, you know, we've been here for uh, the past three or four years and it's been great. But there's another church that uh, is really fitting the need of our family. And I would love to tell you that I handle those experiences very well and very mature, but I don't until I step back and realize us with people for seasons, relationships, spiritual relationships, all number of relationships. And, and that's really what it is. They're, they're here for a season and we should never hold them hostage beyond the time that they're supposed to be with us and release them with a blessing. Leader, if there's anything that I could have learned earlier would have been to release people with a blessing, because if you can't release people with a blessing, you can't release yourself with a blessing. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Um, I love how early you were talking about God is big enough to handle our our uh, our questions because a lot of people walk around, um, and I think it's just like how when we aren't able to resolve conflict in in with our friends or family members, we may be passive aggressive. I believe that a lot of people are passive aggressive towards God. They're present in church, <laughs> but they have all these unanswered questions and, and bottled up frustration with God. And for a, a long time, in in, in certain um, black spaces, you encourage not to question God. And I think it's so important, um, as you said, to 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 voice those frustrations to God because He already knows it. We're not hiding something from <laughs> from Him. He already knows everything about us. Um, why was that important for you to to include that? And how have you seen encouraging people to do so help them heal? <clears throat> so what caused me to include that is my own personal leadership journey. If we just take a slice from planning a church. And so 10 years ago, from starting with 25 people to now on weekends, our attendance is about 2,400 every weekend in person. And then another 2,000 people who are online. And in addition to that, quite a bit of staff and volunteers. So you can imagine over the last 10 years, there hasn't been a week, there hasn't been a month, there hasn't been a quarter or a year that hasn't gone by where something doesn't happen with me or someone else. And I found myself running from those conversations when I really thought for a minute or two, God was, was setting me up to uh, help strengthen me in that ability. And so I was always fortunate and blessed to have other leaders who were wiser and far better than me help to coach me along those. So that was one of the reasons why I uh, put it in the uh, resource and better at it. But our team members have gotten better at it. But on a more personal level, as a person who, like you, has a family and friends, I found myself avoiding difficult conversations in those areas and really prolonging my own healing blessings. And I also saw those um, being demonstrated in the life of others that I uh, love. And so as I become better at it uh, and model it, then I notice the people that I'm closest to also <clears throat> become better at it and develop a new courage. And so that whole healing process of confronting things about things, I think has helped me heal and others heal uh, and become better leaders. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, where can um, this has been a very uh, rich conversation. Um, before we before we end this, um, is there anything else you would like to share about your book about um, the work you're doing that we haven't already addressed? Yeah, I would encourage everyone who's listening. Um, it doesn't matter what age you are or what profession you're in. Live your life and in living your life, trust that God has this wonderful design and wonderful plan for you and never be ashamed to be who you are. And that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book, because oftentimes as a pastor, people will box us into a certain type of message or if you're going to write, then it has to be a certain type of subject. But I've even learned in my own life, don't ever be boxed in. And so my encouragement to those who are listening, uh, be who you are and trust that God has this great design that's already at play in your life. And go to olubrown.com, O-L-U-B-R-O-W-N.com. You can see more in depth about the book and, and some things that I'm up to uh, coming into the new year in 2018. Awesome. And, and your, I'm, I'm guessing your social media links are on there as well. Yes, all is there. And so it makes it easier just to go olubrown.com and check out everything. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and definitely, um, I encourage everyone to get the book. Um, and so uh, thank you again, Pastor Brown. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.ju3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching G3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.